0: Now without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to this session on rigorous honesty. My name is Ken J and I am as a recovering sexaholic, and I'll be I'll, I'll be facilitating this session and I'm joined by Brant and uh, each of us will share for a recovery, uh, from our own recovery on this topic, and then we'll take uh, answer, uh, time to answer questions. Questions can be uh, written on these cards and placed back up on the table if you would, please. If you wish to participate, write your questions on these three five by five cards. In the spirit of the fifth tradition, to carry the message, this is a recorded session. The recording equipment will not be turned off during the session. We ask that you please silence all cell phones. Let us open with the serenity prayer. Let's take a moment. Uh, moment of silence first prayer god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference thy will not mine be done The SA purpose, Sexaholics Anonymous, is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Uh, Brant will go first, and then I will follow.
2: I'm Brant Sexaholic from Franklin, Tennessee. My home group is the Noon Meeting in Franklin. and uh, Rigorous honesty has been a topic that has been a great tool for me in my recovery. Um, I have a a quote from the big book, uh, page 123 in my version. Um, It says, Showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Cling to the thought that in God's hands the dark past is the greatest possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them." That was a revolutionary uh, passage when I first read that, um, because I never, ever would have dreamed that my dark past was an asset or anything helpful to me. Um, I came into this program 20 years ago, and I had a truckload of shame uh, carrying behind me. going all the way back to middle school. I never wanted anyone to know my deepest, darkest secret, and that was that I was attracted to other boys and men. I was sexually abused when I was 11 years old by my older brother. He also abused me physically and emotionally, and uh, my way to deal with it was smoking pot, was uh, using other drugs, But my main drug, the the best thing for me was masturbation and fantasy. And I'm talking at this point, that's in middle school. So I went on to go to high school, and I got a car. I had a hardship license because my parents were divorced, so I was 15 when I got a license. And um, anyway, uh, I started cruising to the gay part of town to get adult men um, to give me oral sex, which is what my brother had done to me. And um, I knew that if anyone had ever found this out, I had a simple solution, suicide. My mom had a revolver with hollow point bullets in it, and I knew um, at any time if my secret was ever found out that that was my solution. And that stayed my solution through probably till my, my early 30s, um, because the shame was so great for me. If anyone knew what I had been doing, if anyone knew um, that I was attracted to men or acting out with men or anything like that, um, I couldn't have been able to live with myself. So forward to uh, December 1999 is when I came to my first essay meeting. It was in the portable uh, for those of you who, um, don't live in the Nashville area, um, it's, a basically a, a mobile home, um, uh, with divided up with a couple classrooms and, uh, it was pretty dingy back then. They've cleaned it up by now if you've been there, but, um, uh, that was my entrance into the program. I was scared, um. I didn't know anyone in the room, which I was glad for that. I I was nervous I was going to see someone I knew. Um, But I knew after hearing the introductory readings, um, you know, what is a sexaholic, the essay purpose, the problem, the solution. I was right at home because everything those readings said um, was how I felt. Uh, And uh, so... After the readings, we, uh, as a custom at the portable, we were pulled out into a newcomer meeting. And I had this newcomer meeting, and I heard other members tell their stories and tell um, what they were dealing with and um, basically their journey into SA. And uh, I am so grateful uh, for SA. It has changed my life, and it has given me the gift of being happy, joyous, and free, as our literature says. Um, I'm not sure when I first heard the words rigorous honesty, but uh, I would say that uh, it, it has been... Uh, of there's so many tools that we have in, in working our program. For me, rigorous honesty has been the most powerful thing um, for me to use because what's happened... Is I go back to the shame, the core of, 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 of when I'm not in the solution. And if I'm listening to shame, it imprisons me. It freezes me. And, um, but when I bring the inside out and I tell the truth and I shine the light on the darkness, it is, brings me so much more freedom. I'm always nervous. Um, if it's if I'm in a in a meeting and um, there's a topic or whatever, and I know that there's something that I need to say, but I don't want to say because I don't want to, you know, I I, I have a, a, a one of my therapists called me an image manager. You know, I want to look good on the outside and make sure you know everyone um, thinks I'm okay, and you know, uh, which was always a farce. Um, but, uh, I learned by practice and never, it's never easy, but bringing the inside out and bringing my rigorous honesty and of saying, you know, whether it was a fantasy or whether it was talking about when I was sexually abused or whatever, um, stuff that I felt, you're going to think different about me. You're not going to like me. You're not going to want to hug me after the meeting. Um, that I'm damaged goods and, uh, but the opposite is what happens. And whenever I hear people, uh, speak with rigorous honesty, it gives me them more respect for them. It makes me have more courage. It makes me want to be more honest and, and not, uh, just trying to hide things, um, In the essay, White Book, uh, on page 160, it says, Whenever I felt some experience, image, memory, or thought was controlling me, as often was the case, I would bring it into the light, talking it out with another program person, getting the air and sunlight on it. Lust hates the light and flees from it. It loves the dark secret recesses of my being. And once I let it lodge in there, it's like a fungus and starts flourishing, the athlete's foot of the soul. But as soon as I bring it into the light, exposing it to another recovering alcoholic, sexaholic, the power it has over me is broken. Light kills lust. I did this with specific experiences, not in generalities. Every time I talked it out in Surrender, the power of that memory or experience was broken. And uh, that has been true for me in my experience of, of uh, being in recovery, is showing getting that air and, and, and sunlight, and that expels that, that fungus, as the reading says, um, the athlete's foot of the soul. I like that um, saying there. Um, but I know when I bring my shame into the light, when I bring the things that I don't want to say, um, it's liberating me. And I've never seen anyone when I, of anything that I've shared get, get up and walk out of the room. Um, so it, this has just been a great tool for me. So uh, I know uh, when I do have fantasies or euphoric recall or, you know, uh, lust thoughts. Um, the best thing for me to do is to cast it out as immediately as I can. Um, not necessarily, uh, you know, depending on the, the, the situation, but, um, the, the best thing is I need to, to do is to talk to someone that I trust, someone that I know that is safe and, um, could be someone in a program could be someone on a phone call uh obviously my sponsor uh my program buddies people I call a lot um and uh you know I and and usually I, I have this feeling of no you don't want to say that no don't don't talk about that because they're going to think something uh really you know bad about you or lose respect for you or whatever um But I've learned over the years that this is what I need to do. I need to take those uncomfortable feelings. They're just feelings and to, to bring them out. And, um, and it, and it works for me. Um, I feel so much better after I've said whatever I was, you know, feeling bondage to, um, and being shining the light on it, being rigorously honest and saying what I didn't want to say. Um, but the one, but it, 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 when I bring it into the light, the, the power of the shame vanishes for me. Um, in the AA Big Book, on page 481, it says, There is no cure for sexaholism, I substituted that in, but it can be arrested in the program of SA. We have this new way of life, learning to live with our sickness and to be happy and content if we are willing to change our way of thinking and be honest, first with ourselves, then with others. We are told to practice the 12 steps and 12 traditions to the best of our ability every day, one day at a time. And... uh, so. that's my, it, it, it's no magic, you know, it's no magic trick. It's just, uh, I'm a shame junkie, and I have had shame uh, for, for most of my life. So I'm a recovering uh, shame addict, and, uh, but given the tools of the program, um, I have a way out. I have a way where I can, uh, as in the solution it says, you know, lift my head, look the world in the eyes, and stand free. And um, and uh, I'm I'm indebted to this program. I'm indebted to uh, the the folks that I've walked with um, the last 20 years. And uh, I would not be alive today, I'm sure, if it were not for this program. And I uh, owe my life to SA um, because you know, had I made some bad choices, I wouldn't be here today. So with that, I'll stop.
1: My name is Ken. I am a sexaholic. Uh, By the grace of God, through this program and the help of the members of this fellowship, a sponsor and a loving community, I've been sexually sober since December of 2007. I'm going to talk about what I have experienced in terms of practical tools, uh, because I'm an engineer by trade, I'm analytical by trade, I'm obsessive by nature. <laughs> and so, uh, but it helps. But some of the uh, uh, watchwords uh, that, that we hear, are things like exaggeration, embellishment, white lies, more or less, lies by a thousand excuses. Those are all forms of dishonesty, and I've categorized it for myself based on some material I've learned from other form, other places. You know, there's the clear, easy-to-understand, direct one, uh, direct lies. Uh, you know, I deliberately tell you something that I know not to be true. It's not the same thing as telling you something that I think is true, and I'm mistaken about the facts that I have. That's not it at all. Exaggeration. Exaggeration is a lie. I mean, there's no getting around it. I I remember um, uh, being in a meeting early on in my recovery, and I was talking to another member of the fellowship, and we were, you know, where are you? Which step are you on kind of thing? And I said, uh, on the ninth step. And he said, oh, really? I said, yeah. He said, how many amends have you done? I said, I've done five or six. I hadn't done any. And I immediately said, I can't understand why I just lied to you. You're not my sponsor. You know, you're not my higher power. What in the world? Why would I lie to you? But as an addict, lying was easier than breathing. I mean, it really was. And, and so that was my default reaction, and I would lie for reasons that had no value to me whatsoever. That's insane, I mean, if you think about it. and I wasn't even gaining anything from it. But uh, exaggeration, you know, lie, uh, um, Lies of omission. Did you have sex with that woman? No, I didn't. I had sex with that woman. <laughs> you know, so you know, I I I can play the legal game. You know. Well, you know, you know, I didn't I didn't have sex with redheads on Wednesdays ever. You know. So, <laughs> but uh, that the lies of omission is a big one. Another one is a little more complicated to explain. I sort of call it complicity, and that is. Mike, I have to be able to put my head on the bed, on the pillow at night, with as clear a conscience as I can have, to make all the amends for the day that I, harms that I'm aware of. I don't always do it. I try to do it. Uh, or if not, at least go to bed with a plan to make the amends the next time. But if I have something eating at me, it will it will eat at me. If I've left something undone, if I've not made an amends. And one of, one of the more complicated things is where, yeah i'm was i 'm with someone and we've experienced something together, and that person tells a deliberate lie and i 'm sitting there going that 's not the truth, and I know it's not the truth, and you're being deceived because he told you a lie and i've had to deal with that occasionally, but luckily not often but when my plan is to in that is to After the fact, I will go to the person and say, hey, look, uh, you remember? I was there. (laughs) This is the way it was. What you said isn't the way it was. We need to make it right. I need to make it right. So that's, you know, the the different categories. Uh, And some examples I gave, uh, the one I told you about, the ninth step, uh i'm really good my, and my wife is great i love it because she calls me on my stuff you know and so uh i'll say something like excuse me oh i'm sorry okay i'm sorry i it away from the mic thank you very much um so my wife calls me on on stuff when i i'll get to a, something I'll, I'll be sharing something well you know I, I think this happened two or three times she says which two or three times, you know, and so things of that nature. I'll say, um, I heard that. Uh, listen, to some news. I, this is what I heard, and I, this so and so is going on. She go, I didn't read that, you know, and so that exaggeration, that that fudging the the truth, and so now, I mean, I feel like. And and it's good. It's good. I feel like I'm being interrogated by the prosecuting attorney. (laughs) And that's okay because she keeps me on the right and narrow. Because left to my own devices, what am I going to do? I'm going to exaggerate. I'm going to embellish, which is another way of lying, and then make myself look better. Why do I want to do that? Because I'm afraid. I have fear. I want you to like me. And and anything I can do to help me do that is what I'm going to do. So, um, you know, I'm always looking to be better than you, or I'm using being worse than you as a way to get into sympathy, you know. And so anything I can do to make that happen, lies of omission. Uh, I just told you about the, the the lady that I never, you know, that asked the wrong question, um, you know, and not answering a question, you know, wholly. I mean, I. I I've been involved in litigations uh, with a company I was before, and they taught us not to offer information. You know, if you, you, ask a, you ask me a question, I'll answer it. If the question is ambiguous, you don't say, well, do you mean this or that? The attorneys love that because then you're going to open up your guts and spill stuff they want. So if I don't answer, understand the question, then and under interrogation, I say you're going to have to restate the question in the terms that I can understand more explicitly. So, my life tends to be like that in in addiction, like well, you didn't ask me about that woman, you asked me about this woman you know so and not volunteering information so today, if it's pertinent, if someone asks me a question and they're trying to gather the truth, which is information, and then the honesty is the process of sharing that, then I need to volunteer information that's pertinent if they didn't ask the question. I still need to give that information. So, being forthcoming is a way to you know to deal with that. Um, uh, let's see, you know, one of one of the ways that I that. Uh, um, that I lied was it was through my actions or lack of actions as an employee. I mean, I stole from those people. Stealing is, is a form of, of dishonesty. Uh, you know, I was searching for opportunities to act out, or I was acting out on time, but the company was paying for me. So those are some examples of how I have acted out in the past, and or not acted out, but examples of where I used dishonesty to get things that I wanted. There's one word that comes up that I can't figure out how it fits into this conversation, but it came up earlier in our conversation I had today, and that's sarcasm. And that's a, that's a hurtful word. It's a, it's, a, it's a half-truth. I say something, it has value only because part of it's true. You know, you, you know, you, uh, and so, and, but part of it's a cut, right? So it's a deliberate attempt to cut you, to hurt you. But part of it is, has some truth, so it's it's a, another form of dishonesty. It's also very hurtful. I'm not sure where that fits in this conversation, but I've since stopped using that as, in my speech pattern. I don't longer make those kind of jokes or use that kind of technique to. You know all it is is an attention-getting technique. And, and so I need to stop that. I'm trying to get you to like me, to love me, to you know realize that I'm not who you think I am. You know, and so, um, so, so the actions that I take today to to get to this point. Is I had to be honest with myself. I had to, you know, I, I had to right size myself. I had to be, you know, I always was playing the, this issue of either I'm better than you or I'm a piece of garbage and you should detest me. I never was who I was, and. Um, I remember one time someone who was potentially an acting out partner, and I was defacing myself in such a way, and she says, you know, no, you, you need to be honest with yourself. You're you're a nice enough man. Of course, this is before I hit on her, you know, but uh, uh, you, you need to be honest with yourself and say that you are who you are, not who you want me to think you are. So being honest with myself, I have to be willing to listen to others, what they say. I mean, we don't live... Uh, by the criticisms of others. We don't live by the, your opinion. And David was saying earlier, says, your opinion of me is none of my business. Okay? But that's not to say that your observations about me, like my wife saying, you know, you're, you're exaggerating. You know, where did you get that information? That's legitimate information I need to process and take to, to my own actions. And I avoid exaggerations. I stop when I start saying things like, well, I think it might be. I know what I know, and I know when I don't know, and those are two different things. I, I I used to say things, I know, I know, but I don't. Sometimes I know what I think I know, <laughs> and that's not the same thing. If I witnessed it unequivocally in a way that's very analytical, or I know it from personal experience, like my experience, strength and hope, you can't argue with my feelings. Those are my feelings. They're inside me, you know, and I can't argue with yours, but... Those are the only few things that I know, but I, everything else I have to be very careful that, I, that I'm not exaggerating. Um, and, and another one is, uh, like I just said, is, is, is knowing when I know something and, and as opposed to knowing when I think I know something. And being forthcoming again, as I mentioned before, I, I, I'm more, I'm an open book. I told one of my sponsees who came to me after a meeting, I said, and it used to be I hid my computer, I had a password on it, phone was locked, and it was, you know, the, the contact list was, you know, uh, disguised. My phone is unlocked. My computer's unlocked. My wife, uh, one time she came to me and says, uh, uh, we need to talk. Well, in the old days, we need to talk was, you're in trouble. <laughs> but and, then I, she, and she said that, and I go, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not doing anything. Now, I might be being a jerk, right? There's a difference. But I'm not acting out. And uh, I, I have to tell a quick side story that, you know, I, I, I tell people that there's a, they've come out with some medication to help men and women, I guess, suppress their libido but there's no medication to keep me from being an asshole. I mean, it's, <laughs> and so th- th- that's what the program does for me is it, t- it teaches me that, you know, I need to be a loving, caring, honest, uh, considerate human being. And that's not my default condition, but the program has taught me how to do that. So, you know, those are, are some of the things that I have to do in, in going forward and in, in dealing with others. So with that, um, I hope those were useful. I, I, I Rent uh, gave you a good story beforehand, and, and I have a lot of experience in, in being dishonest, but there's no reason to go into the details. I thought perhaps you could use some solution opportunities, and that's what I tried to share. Thanks for letting me share. Do <laughs> um, we have some questions? Have people have been taking paper. Do we have anything? Okay, here we go. Um, let me get, get the clarification of this question I'm not sure I'll read it uh, where, if in, if, where if anywhere do you draw the line between rigorous honesty as opposed to making your wife your accountability partner okay or oversharing okay good deal you want to share
2: on that? Sure. Good question. Uh, And uh, rigorous honesty for me is what I share in my meeting. It's what I share with my sponsor. It's what I share with trusted friends. I don't go to my wife. Um, We we do have an open relationship but, uh, she is not like the typical on. She does not want to know all the information and tell me exactly what you did and, you know, meddle and, you know, want to nitpick. So, um, I am fortunate <laughs> for that. But I, even regardless of, um, of the situation, I think that the rigorous honesty, um, is the stuff that we're sharing with one another, either on the phone or in a meeting um, with your sponsor or with another trusted friend in the program. Um, I don't think that having your wife as an accountability partner partner is healthy. Um, I think that's what a lot of spouses would like. Um, but, uh, uh and it also says oversharing. I mean, um, I'm not a, a marriage counselor, but, um, I've been in this program for quite a while, and have seen um, some dynamics of couples and their coupleship, and uh, and 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 seeing wives that are very demanding about "I want to know everything" and "Tell me, you know, every last drop." My uh, suggestion is, if if you have a spouse that is acting demanding for information is that to do that with a therapist, um, that that's going to be a a safer, neutral zone where um, any time when emotions get high, especially when there's been betrayal in the marriage, um, uh, it's really delicate, and I, I would suggest professional help there.
1: I would read from the, the White Book, page three, to the newcomer. A caution: We suggest that newcomers, to sexual sexaholics, and honest, not reveal their sexual past to a spouse or family member who does not already know it, know of it, without careful consideration in a period of sexual sobriety, and even then, only after prior discussion with an essay sponsor or group. Typically, when we can come into the program, we when we come into the program, we want to share our excitement. With our closest to us, and tell all, and to tell all right away. Such disclosures might injure our family or others, and should be confined to the group of which you are a part until a wise course is indicated. Of course, there is any chance we have put others in danger. We take immediate steps to try to correct that. I think that speaks very well to this situation. I um, there's some couple other questions along the lines of. Um, is that That's the one? already been okay. Here. Okay. Um, Along the, along the same lines of asking how to deal with this. Um, I, I've heard it many times in the program from people more, more experienced than me. I've heard it from uh, uh, couples' counselors. I t- when I made my, n- my ninth steps amends to, to my wife, I told her I had affairs with multiple women for multiple years. I had multiple occurrences of one-night stands. Everything else is a detail. It doesn't change the facts. I was—I violated the marriage vows. I was unfaithful. I lied. And I was dishonest with you on many levels. Nothing else will make you a better person. And details do not help, in my opinion. And I think the comments too about the counselor is a great one. As it says in the white book, we seek advice from our sponsors and the groups. So... That is my comment. And there was another one that tied to it about um, my son asked about how babies are born. Am I telling him everything straight through delivery? Well, you know, the act of, uh, of intercourse is, is a, a God-given behavior. We don't have to be crude or rude or, or, or vulgar in the process. And uh, you can do it in a more clinical way, if you will. You know, it's a, a loving Interaction with human beings between two human beings, hopefully, and it, it involves a physiological inter, uh, interconnection. And you know, you as a, a child have either a penis or a vagina, and you know, and you, you can talk in those kind of terms without being crude, assuming it's the right age bracket appropriateness. You can talk about it and stuff, and at least that's my opinion. There's something over there. I was one.
2: Hi, Larry, I was one that wrote that question. I guess my question more specifically is.
1: Uh, to understand rigorously
0: honest means everything today and now? Or can it be like, for example, now the situation of the wife? I'm willing to tell you, or in a question, I'm willing to tell you
2: everything that you would like to know. I just don't know if today is the right time for you to hear it. And for my son, for example, or my children, I am ready to explain every part of this process to
0: you slowly. So I'm going to be rigorously honest,
1: but just not right away. Is that also in form of omission? Good, good, good. Let me clarify the question. I did not read it correct. So the question was, uh, in the case of the spouse, that he's prepared to share the transgressions with his wife at the appropriate time, yes. but not necessarily right now. And the same with the child. And then with the child, of course, there probably is a progressive, uh, where you tell them a part of it. And then the l- longer away you go, as the child gets age appropriate, you give them more details. And that's what you say. T- and the question was, is that lies of omission? And in, in my mind, that's not a lie of omission. Because in the case of the spouse in particular, and I told the same thing to my wife, I said, my sponsor said that I can, that I told her, I says you can ask me any question. And if I can clearly answer it without obviously doing damage to you, I will right then. And if there's a doubt in my mind, I will ask my sponsor. And if he says share it, I'm sharing it. Okay. But if he says don't share it, I will defer to his judgment. So that's how I deal, I deal with that.
2: Nothing really. Is there any of those others over
1: there? all together, I guess. What's what?
2: It, uh, oh, in, intimate intimate details, is it? Okay, so the question is, if a spouse wants intimate details, is it appropriate to ask her what her motives are? Um, I wouldn't. Uh, she's obviously curious. She's obviously hurt. She's obviously had some level of betrayal, um, If especially if she's caught you in lies um i don't think asking her what her motives are i mean she's she's asking you because she wants that and uh the information and uh i again you know my experience has been working with a therapist and um that's been the most successful thing for for us in my marriage
1: yeah, I sort of repeat myself on that one. You know, details, um, especially explicit details of sexual behaviors, is, is, is watch a porn video. You know, <laughs> you know, um, that's that's not healthy for a recovery. Uh, I, my therapist, we had a couple of sessions says that that doesn't cause healing, and it's it's supposed to be about healing. If you're looking for for grounds for a divorce, maybe, but if you're looking for healing, that's not a helpful thing.
2: Okay, I see this one. It says, so, uh, as a married man, how do you balance sharing triggers, details, and the why on things with your wife versus just being honest? And I think it's, it's um, that's a great question. And uh, 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 just backing of, of what you've sh- been sharing, Ken, is the details is not getting into the intricacies um, that is just feeding the sickness for the Essanon. They want the details, they feed on the details, they're pi- picturing it in their mind, and it, and I believe it causes more damage. That's my opinion. Um, but it, speaking in, you know, saying yes, I did have an affair, Being on, you have to be honest. You can't be dishonest. It's, you know, not going to work. But don't have to go into well we did it in this position or she was wearing this kind of perfume or this is how she dresses or um you know because the wife is basically um feeling you know comparison you know well your affair partner is this and i'm not good enough so that's you know and just spiraling down um but i think it is um, important to share if, if you know if there's been betrayal, if there's been lying, um, but uh, she, it, it, um, from what I understand, and and again, my wife isn't one of these, but I know plenty of people in the program who who are have they want to know every single solitary little thing, and um, and sharing. Uh, just the big picture is going to be a lot better.
1: I'd like to add a little something to this. Um, I, I, you know, I've worked with sponsees and I had some that became obsessed, imagine that, became obsessed with reporting their triggers to me. Uh, I walk through a room and a person is uh, dressed in a way that exposes a lot more body material than I need to see, and there's this moment, and, and I cannot control this. A momentary flash, a synapse in my brain goes, Thing! I've seen that before, I know what it is, and I know what it looks like, and I know where the, more of it. I cannot stop that. I cannot control that. But what happens after that, I can control. And that is the obsession of lusting, looking, and pursuing it, and seeking it out. And I don't uh, I, I, in the beginning of the program, I did share some triggers with my wife and quickly learned that was a mistake because it just makes her feel less than well, what she got that I don't got, right? You know, why are you looking at her and not me? And also, if I shared every piece of garbage that went through my brain, it's enough to make anybody want to go commit suicide, you know, and so including me, you know, and so it, it triggers are not to... And, and I tell my sponsees, we don't share that. We don't share lusting with our sponsors, the, 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 that I sponsor. I tell them, we don't share that with your spouse. You share that with me. You share that in a meeting. You should call somebody else in the program. That we don't need to share. That's, and that's not being a lie of omission, because it's like in the ninth step, of men's, we, we make amends when to do so would not harm them. In this form of honesty, I'm being honest. I'm being honest because I'm telling God because I'm saying it. being honest with myself because I'm saying it. And I'm telling you. So the fact that I didn't tell my wife is not necessary in this example.
2: That's a new question, and then I don't know if we've answered this one. I we haven't. Um, uh, so this one says, What practical tools did you use in early recovery to retrain yourself to be rigorously honest? Accountability partner, inventory, 10th step. Um, So for me in early recovery, uh, it was, you know, an unpeeling, you know, like an onion, you know. I I started with the (coughs) real obvious things and the things that I wasn't too scared to talk about out loud. And then, you know, the more... I plugged into the program, the more I worked my steps, the more I connected and, and was honest and vulnerable with other members in the program, um, the easier it was to be <coughs> rigorously honest. Um, and like I was saying earlier, you know there's time, I've been in the program for 20 years and there's times when I sit in a meeting and I'm like, oh, I don't want to share this. But I know that I need to. If Whenever I hear, have that little voice, no, you don't want anyone to hear this. Oh, no, that's going to be really embarrassing. Or no, that's going to be, that means I need to do it. You know, that's telling me. That's the voice that's saying that that, that I've got to do it. Not that I always do, but that's what I try to do. Um, and then uh, um, accountability partner. Uh, I know that's a, uh, when I was in college we had i was in a fraternity, and we had uh, some guys that were struggling with their uh, masturbation and stuff like that and um, this was this whole big accountability partner thing this was way before recovery um, I just think it 's um i don't I, I, even the words accountability partner i don 't know just conjures up something like. I've got a checklist. You better have done this. You better, if you didn't do this, you know, you're bad or whatever. Um, I would just say, you know, be, seek out people that are safe. Seek out people that you like what you hear in meetings. Um, you know, go, we, we have the meetings uh, and then most of the time, most people don't have time to sit around and talk afterwards. Um, but there are some meetings. We have one in, on Saturday in Franklin where we go to breakfast afterwards, and some people come and get coffee before the meeting. Um, and, uh, and a lot of it's just, you know, not real deep talk, but sometimes people are needing to talk on a more intimate level. Um, but I, I just think that it's... Uh, just sharing and being honest with people that you trust, you know, um, and people that you know or people that you respect and certainly with your sponsor. Um, also, it's uh, it was asking it just says inventory question mark. Well, doing an inventory is a great thing. Um, I try to do a 10-step inventory every day uh, in a journal that I have um, and just, you know, talking about my gratitude, talking about my fear, talking about my lust, talking about my selfishness, talking about uh, uh, highs and lows in recovery, um, so forth. Um, I, I'm a big fan of inventory because it helps me put it on paper, and then with my sponsor, um, I check with him. We, we meet once a year. To do the annual inventory, and uh, and I, you know, see the trends and the things where I've, um, you know, uh, done well or not. And anyway, uh, and then the tenth step, well, I just addressed address that. So you want to answer that?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I just like want to make a comment on that. I think you you should be able to tell your sponsor anything. You know, and, and, and you should if you if you can't get a different sponsor, right? Um, because there is your real accountability. There's, and, and so you tell them any and everything. They know all the shame, the guilt, the, the transgressions, the skeletons and the co- closet. But that should be your safe place, as we talked about. Because and if you don't have that relationship, develop it or get a different sponsor. You know, sponsors come and go. You know, that's okay. You need the one that God wants you to have, and that's somebody you can be totally, totally honest with. Um, Rigorous honesty with self, what obstacles did you um, experience in embracing the program fully? Um, I got here in absolute desperation. Um, I was at a bottom that said, you know, I've landed on the shores of this foreign country, and we burned all the boats, so I'm either going to survive or I'm going to die. If you told me to eat a big pile of poop, I would say, do I have to do it right now or can I get it done overnight? You know, and so, it, and I never said why. I didn't use the word why. Why do I need to do that? And I have sponsors to do that. So we don't have those conversations. So I'll explain what I'm asking you to do, and, why, and I will say to some degree what it is. But we're not going to debate it. But I would have done anything you told me to do as a sponsor, as my sponsor. And so I didn't have that problem. So I'll let you speak to that. <laughs>
2: So speaking about rigorous honesty with self, um, well, I know, you know, I'm not... I, I know what I'm thinking. I know what I'm, uh, you know... Uh, but I, I like to process it with others, you know. I don't just want to be rigorously honest to, honest with myself. Um, I do need to do that. That's where it starts. But, um, you know, I I... Uh, don't want to be a loner, you know, I want to call and connect. And whether that's with people in the program, or my sponsor, um, or in person, you know, uh, before or after a meeting. Um, So what obstacles did you experience in embracing the program fully? Well, I don't think anyone comes in to the program, and then just right away, they get everything, they're doing everything right, they never Slip. They never, you know, have any problems. Um, that certainly wasn't my uh, road uh, into this program. Mine was definitely up and down. Um, uh, and, uh, but, you know, I guess the things of, uh, the obstacles um, would be, not fully being honest, you know, um, not make ma- wanting to share something, but shame for me in my experience. The shame early in recovery, have taking more power, and me thinking, oh, I, you know, and again, it was m- about I uh, wanting you to like me, I wanting you to think I'm cool, I want you to think I'm uh, a good person uh, instead of just being myself, and so. The, the longer I was in recovery, the more I was able to embrace, you know, who I am and not try to, you know, be some kind of false uh, pretender. Is that one? Yeah,
1: why don't you take that
2: one? What do you do when you share vulnerably during the meeting, but after the meeting you are often concerned with advice that is hurtful and not the essay solution? Um, that's, uh, you can get burned, you know, uh, that, that, that is certainly a possibility. Um, and, you know, if you get hurt, if someone's just ragging at you or saying you shouldn't have done this, or you need to do this, or whatever, um, I would just go to, to the safe people, you know, to, to your sponsor, to your friends you've been walking with in recovery. Um, and, you know, just let brush that off, you know, the, the negativity, um, there's always going to be people that are, you know, have rough edges and, and, and they're probably, you know, what I, try to be more compassionate because if someone's angry or someone's edgy or someone's abrupt, there's something wrong with them. You know, they're, they're, they're hurt. They, they've probably grew up in a family, you know, that wasn't real loving and nurturing. Um, so I don't, I don't count on that too much, but I seek out people that I respect their recovery where I respect, um, you know uh who they are um, and the kind of you know warm embracing welcoming people
1: do we have any other questions coming from the floor question, I That's okay, that's fine. just tell us just tell us
2: um, my question is to what the types of um Honesty that you were speaking about, and like you were saying, not just the honesty in group and about your sexual background, but your honesty
0: that I call it like my reflexive like dishonesty, where
2: for no good reason I'm constantly like, like my wife's like, so why didn't you answer my text? I didn't see it. Of course I saw it. You know what I'm saying? Like, but that's just my first knee jerk reaction. Do you have any tools that you use to try and stop that? For you, like what you've done to try and stop that knee-jerk reaction where you're going to lie for absolutely no reason. That reflects that kind of lie.
1: So if I can re- repeat the question, if I didn't get on the thing. Uh, tools that help with uh, sort of the inherent, inherent nature of an addict who lies on impulse. Right? For no good reason. For no good reason. It's I, not helping themselves. Exactly. I and just, then it just causes more friction with the wife because now she doesn't trust you. Right. So I gave an example of when I was giving amends, and you know, it, it's it's uh, you're right. It's it's inherently easier for me to it's, it's in, when I came in here, easier for me to, to lie than to breathe. I mean, it's if air is coming out, it's like the old adage: of how can you tell he's lying? Well, his lips are moving. You know, I mean, it's, it's uh, so it's pretty much true for me as an addict. And so, how do you deal with that? Well, for me, um, uh, taking ownership and and. and it's one. You know, it's been proven many, many times that typically uh, the cover-up is worse than the original offense. The lie, yeah, and the lie is worse than the actual action in, in many, many cases. And certainly, in my experiences with my recovery with my wife, uh, you know, hearing the lies was much more damaging than many of the actions. So, so owning that. And, and, and again, taking the 10th step inventory I was talked about earlier and talking with your sponsor and going through it and, and recognizing you knew, you knew. So at that point, you have to take ownership. And I, I have harmed. I've done a harm. Now I need to make amends. So I tell my wife. And you know, my sponsor gave me a little script. So the first thing is, I was wrong. I lied to you. I deliberately lied to you for no apparent reason. What was going on was I was f- afraid. I didn't want you to know I ignored you. you know, and So you'd be honest, and you just go through, and you tell her. And this is a part of my character defect. I, I lie, like, I, you know, whatever. And I will work at not doing this, but I can't promise you I won't do it again. But I will promise you I will work at trying to avoid that in the future. And I appreciate it if you call me out on it. And and say, is there anything else I can do? <laughs> say, is there anything else I need to make amends? That I'm mad at, it? you know? So, but owning it, and, and then because you re-recognize it, so fix it. We got tools. I'd love to be able to fix it before owning it, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't lie. <laughs> Thank you. Can I make a quick comment to this uh, questions
0: Um, I thought that I was incapable of being able to tell the truth because, uh, you know, lying was so natural that, you know, it would stay light, but I would say, oh, no, it's still light. You know, the nature. I, you know, I was trying to manipulate things to to my way of saying things so that I could control so now I have to make a conscious effort. When someone asks me something, and my first instinct is to say a lie, I stop myself, and I think, what's the truth? And then I talk about it. I have learned that, you know, I am the only one that knows, if I'm saying the truth of the lie, so, I, you know, I have to ask my kind of heart to give me the, you know, the strength to say the truth, no matter what the
1: consequences might be. I'll try to summarize real quick what it was said for the tape. Um, basically, I think I could say that taking a moment to reflect, pause, pause take a breath, to realize that what I'm about to say is not the truth and, and really focus on making sure what I do say is the truth and ask for help from my higher power to do that. Thank you. I think that's about all the time we have. Um, let's see. In closing, anything anything you have heard in this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of the essay are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Let's close with a third step prayer. We could circle up, please. i you want to leave us out? sure. you want to
0: leave us out? God, I offer myself to thee to
2: with me and to do with me as thou wilt. me upon that I may be Take away my difficulties and over them. May your business to those I will help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back. It works if it you work as we work away. I was just thinking, I can't come i not that happy. Probably Yeah. Every once in a while I call you. Bro. Okay. I live in Mississippi, oh, Stanford. Stanford. I live in uh, Northeast uh, Mississippi, okay. and I uh, go to a lot of Memphis. Uh-huh. Memphis.
0: <laughs> yeah, every once in a while I call you, but I couldn't, uh, I have you on my phone as a call this guy, but I couldn't remember. I couldn't put a face. I couldn't remember. Uh, now yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Good deal. I look forward to hearing from you. I like that uh, <laughs> a lot of the questions I could relate to because uh, it seemed like the one of the overlaying things was, how do I do rigorous honesty perfectly? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know well, was, I was just mixing to <laughs> Yeah, it's not. I think that what's beneficial for me and what offers me and others grace is that I have a willingness and a desire to do something new that I don't necessarily know how to do. And, uh, I I'm willing to do this, yes, figure
1: out that. Yeah. And, and as long as we're willing to do it, and we're going to do it then, then we are being able But
0: I'm i am not. I'm just yeah, early in my recovery, that was the advice I got was but I am willing to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I'm willing to address anything that I can address and try to I, I answer it. In an environment overseen by somebody. And a therapist, somebody. I'm willing, I'm willing to answer this, and I'm not willing to answer just between me and you. Yeah, yeah. And boy, that was really helpful. That was really helpful. Guidepost for me to so, not. Um, I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members.